Welcome to the Sharp 600, brought to you by Covers.com. I'm Rob Cressy, and I'm super excited to be jamming with you. Joining me on today's show to help you be a more informed better on how to bet NASCAR, as well as the upcoming Daytona 500, is Eric Smith. But first, I wanted to share two stories about how I became a fan of NASCAR. The first one goes all the way back to when I was in college at Miami of Ohio. It was my senior year, and my friends and I, we were looking for something to do on Sundays. Being sports bettors and sports fans and college kids, we just wanted action on anything. So you know what we would do? We would go and get a 30-pack of the champagne of beers, and we would each get two drivers. Uh, one we picked based on the uh, paint job of the car and the second one we would do based on our favorite number. So for me, my favorite number was 32. So I ended up getting Ricky Craven who had the tide car and then being the young buck that I was, I was like, boom, give me the Viagra car. So my guy was Mark Martin. And what we would do is just sit there and drink our champagne of beers and root for our two drivers casually. And that was really the indoctrination for me in NASCAR and crazy, it actually worked in terms of me being interested in it because every week we had the same routine and it was like, oh, we're not ready for the weekend to be over with yet, but boom, here comes NASCAR, let's watch this. And it didn't even matter what ended up happening. It was just, we had a vested interest. Fast forward, I don't know, to five or six years ago and I end up getting engaged and it's time for my bachelor party. And I've done the traditional bachelor parties all the time, Vegas, and pretty much partying anywhere you can think of. So I was like, you know what? I want something that's unique that my crew has never done before. And it just so happens at the time, uh, I was creating a lot of sports content and I had a contact at NASCAR's agency. And NASCAR at the time was building out a microsite. And what they wanted was more sports bloggers to create NASCAR content. Uh, at the beginning, this didn't interest me whatsoever until all of a sudden I thought about my bachelor party and I was like, huh, I wonder if I can get my bachelor party sponsored. So all of a sudden I hit up the guy from uh, NASCAR's agency and I was like, listen, I've got this idea. I've got 15 friends of mine that are going to be on my bachelor party and essentially, I would like NASCAR to sponsor my bachelor party. And here is the pitch that I gave them. I said, listen, I've been to a NASCAR race before. I was actually at Bristol one year. So I know how fun it can be. It's an absolute party when you go to a NASCAR race. It doesn't matter if you watch NASCAR or anything. It's just an amazing experience. So I knew this and I was like, listen, what I want to do is document my experience for my bachelor party with my friends. And what I want to do is show your audience how fun and accessible NASCAR can be to the casual fan. So I put together this elaborate pitch. I give it to the agency. There's some back and forth. And amazingly, they said yes. And it was like, holy smokes, Batman. We now have a NASCAR bachelor party. And I'll throw this up on my Twitter at Rob Cressy because I ended up documenting the entire thing. So we ended up going to the Coca-Cola 600 in Charlotte. And luckily for me, one of my boys, shout out to G Hunt, is actually from Charlotte. So we amazingly were able to build an entire bachelor party out of going to the race and being in Charlotte. And I highly recommend it. Charlotte was amazing. 
So we get there and we don't know what to expect. They end up giving us these uh, pit, pit passes. And as part of it, there's 15 of us and we're all super excited. So before the race, we get to walk around pit road and we get to see uh, Dale Jr. and Danica Patrick and Jimmy Johnson's cars and everything's in the garage right there. And we're like, wow, we're soaking this up and it's absolutely amazing. And we're just looking at the magnitude of the track and it's something that I've never been that close to a NASCAR race, nor had any of my sports friends. Then they take it a step further and allowed us to take a lap in the pace car before the race. And that was all 15 of us. So we ended up taking shifts and it was super impressive. And I was able to GoPro this entire thing because one, the speed is incredible. And you're in this like Toyota Camry that is like freaking Knight Rider. You're like, holy smokes, this is incredible. And the driver is obviously a professional driver who's taken us in it. And we're no joke, like two inches from the side wall. And you're feeling the G's being pulled. So it almost like pulls you back in your seat with your seatbelt. And you're right next to the wall right there. And you're laughing and you're having fun. And then as you're about to enter pit road and he's like, listen, there is a speed limit of which you can go on pit road. So this dude's going a hundred plus miles an hour. And then as we roll into pit road, you see him break and literally slow down to 30 miles an hour. And you're like, Whoa, this is incredible or whatever the uh, miles per hour was. And that was sort of the beginning of our experience. So then we're there for the race and my crew's having the time of our life. They allow you to bring in drinks and coolers into the stadium. You're like, wait, what? So yeah, you can roll in with a case of beer into the NASCAR stadium, which is absolutely incredible. NASCAR fans are amazing at tailgating because traditionally the stereotype of NASCAR fans is pretty much SEC football. And it is correct but the food is amazing. They're super fun and hospitable. So we ended up just rolling into uh, a tailgate of someone's. We didn't even know. We're just having fun. We're bringing beers and we're like, hey, can we join you? And they're like, of course we can. And that's where I actually had moonshine for the first time because of course, if you're in a NASCAR race, the people, and I believe that they'd gone to every Charlotte 600 as a family and group of friends for the last like 10 or 15 plus years. So this is an all the time thing for them. So we're all just passed around the moonshine, having the time of our life. Then the race comes and you're just blown away at how fast this action is. The best way that I could describe it is like when you go to a hockey game for the first time, you get a new appreciation for hockey and the speed of it. You go to NASCAR for the first time and it's like, wow, this is super fast. But being that we're on a bachelor party and we're having some fun, it just wasn't good enough for us to watch the race. So uh, a few of us found a way to make it back onto the infield. And what we ended up doing was finding our way into the victory circle or the winner's circle. And what was it? Jimmy Johnson ends up winning the race. And lo and behold, there's myself and maybe six or seven of us from my crew who are in the backdrop of Jimmy Johnson jumping out of his car, holding up the trophy for winning the race. And lo and behold, a day or two later when we're back home, I'm sitting there watching SportsCenter and my wife's dad is actually in town. And he goes, 
Rob, wait a second. I think that's you and Greg. And we pause the TV, and all of a sudden, there's us on Sports Center capping off the bachelor party. So that's the quick sort of story of how I've become a NASCAR fan. I highly recommend if you get the opportunity to attend a NASCAR race. It is so much fun. But more importantly, I recommend you start paying a little bit more attention and do some casual sports betting on NASCAR. That's what we're going to jam about on this podcast. It's a ton of fun. And I would love to hear from you. What is your experience, one, betting NASCAR, or two, going to races? You can hit me up on Twitter, at Rob Cressy. If you ain't first, you're last. Before we get to the games, from our friends at Covers Experts, here's an exclusive offer for the Sharp 600 listeners only. Get 25% off any Covers Experts product when you use promo code SHARP25. Take advantage of this limited time offer. Save a little money and follow the pros all the way to the bank. Again, that's SHARP25 for 25% off any product. 60% of the time, it works every time. And joining me to help you be a more informed better on betting NASCAR in the Daytona 500 is Eric Smith, auto racing expert for covers.com and co-owner of race review online. You can follow him at Eric underscore race review. And that is Eric with a C Eric. Great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. So what we're going to jam about is two things. One, how to bet NASCAR. And then two, the Daytona 500 is coming up. So we're going to get a little bit more specific on how to bet that. But with football done, I really want to do our part to say, listen, there's a lot of other sports and options out there for us to bet on. But what's really important is that we're informed bettors and we understand how to bet these sports. So let's think of this as crawl before we ball, before we start putting just money all over the place. Let's understand how to bet NASCAR and how we can be more informed bettors. So let's start with this. What are the traditional ways that we can bet NASCAR? Yeah, think of it in general like stick and ball sports. There's going to be a winner and there's going to be a loser. But where this is a little bit different than, say, football, basketball, baseball, they have one winner, one loser. So right off the bat, you know you got a 50-50 chance of winning. Racing, um, specifically this weekend, Daytona, there's going to be 40 drivers in that field. So you're going to have one winner and 39 losers. So finding out the driver is a little tougher than picking a game. So racing, you don't really want to stick to just betting one driver. Where in, like, say, the, uh, the Warriors and Cavaliers in the NBA Finals, you would have chose one team. Well, this time you want to choose multiple drivers, but you have to bet – I should say, I guess, wager on each driver enough to know that, say, you pick five drivers, one of them hopefully wins, and you're going to have four losers. You want to wager the right amount of money on each so that as you hopefully have the right driver, you don't lose money because you bet so much on the other four and your winnings aren't more than you're losing. So I, I in my picks on uh, Race Review Online and Covers, I get – kind of wait what you should wager on these picks. So that way you're always going to come out a winner because you would hate to put 20 bucks on a driver and he wins, but you bet like $80 over here and that driver only wins you 70. Well, he lost $10. That doesn't do you any good. So with racing, you, you have to kind of weed out 
who you don't think is going to win, and then look at who you think is going to win, and then look at the odds in past history and kind of narrow it down. I'd say the sweet spot most races, three to five drivers. Daytona, because it's a race, it's kind of like a lottery. Almost any of the drivers could win. So you might win. Plus, because of that, the odds, 10 to 1 is the favorite. So you can pick more than maybe five, six, seven drivers and wager correctly. And out of that grouping, you should win and win some money that way. Could this be done in a formulaic tiered system? If we wanted to simplify this as much as possible, you're like, all right, there's 40 drivers here. And you said, all right, what we're going to do is let's assume you're going to choose four drivers, nice in the middle of what you said right there. And you say, all right, maybe we're not going to just make this 25%, 25%, 25%. But what if we take one of the top five drivers odds? Then you look at numbers six through 15 and you say, take two here and then 16 through 20, you're going to take one here. And really uh, doing it via a tiered system to say, all right, we're going to spread around our risk. We're also going to at least have one of the top guys so we know we've got a good shot. Is that a potential strategy? Yeah, that's exactly what I do. That's the strategy that I would play. And, like, for example, this weekend, uh, the updated favorites list that I looked at per yesterday uh, out of the top seven favorites, according to the odds makers, I wouldn't pick five of them. I think you can eliminate five of them right off the bat. So then you could tear like, well, if I know out of the top 10 favorites, there may be three of them that I like, then you can narrow it down between those three and then go backwards in the same way. So some races, uh, Daytona is kind of an anomaly. Um, there's going to be other races that, I mean, there may only be two or three teams that, got a shot to win so they're right off the bat you know out of the 40 you can eliminate 30 drivers and then look at the odds from there and decide uh kind of tier who you want to choose so yes that's exactly how I do it I look at the odds and then I try to break it down from there and who I can eliminate so so then I know out of that top favorites list can I get one can I get two of those drivers and then tier it go backwards from there so yes that's exactly how I do it so I think there's some other betting options that I want to explore. So if we don't want to go all in with the win, I believe some books have a top three option That's where you correct. can say, will this driver do in the top or finish in the top three? You've also got similar to golf head to head where you could take uh, Joey Lagan, Joey Logano taking on Denny Hamlin or something who finishes higher, something like that uh, allows you to control it a little bit more. Cause you can say, who do I like or who do I not like? And you're not concerned about the win because in theory, Logano could finish 27th. And if Hamlin finishes 28th, you're like, oh, that ended up working out for me. So me, the casual better, I like that a little bit more. Uh, I also think there's group matchups where you can say, hey, who of these four drivers is going to finish the highest? And then another thing that I saw is betting by car manufacturer, Chevy, Ford, or Toyota. So can you sort of give us some insight into sort of those different options? Yeah, those are also very good options. Um, so like head-to-head, -head, like you said, they could pick uh, Logano versus Hamlin, or like I've seen they put teammates against like Keselowski versus Logano or Hamlin versus Kyle Busch. So yeah, it's, that would be very much like a stick and ball sport where you're going to have one winner, one loser. You could control it a little bit more. Um, you can look at past history, who does well at this track. Sometimes they'll – I've noticed a lot of early lines will put teammates against each other, and some teammates are good some places where maybe their other teammates not. So it's like, oh, that could be an easy win. 
So yes, that's very much uh, in play where you can go matchups. Um, and as the other one, like manufacturer, that's that's definitely, especially for Daytona is one I would bet uh, because they seem to group and race in manufacturers because you have to draft with somebody. It's not one car pulling the way. Uh, it's kind of one big pack and manufacturers more so now than ever before they almost get penalized if you work with like if a chevy works with the ford or if a toyota works with them because last year uh hendrick motorsports who's usually one of the favorites at the chevy camp they knew that not a lot of the other chevys were up the par with them and the toyotas there's realistically only five or six in the field where chevy and ford will double that so the Toyotas needed an alliance, so they worked with Hendrick, and it paid off because Toyota finished one, two, three. Well, the Chevy guys put a stop to that and like, whoa, 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 we're not going to help a rival manufacturer win races. You're guaranteed you have to work together. So it kind of hurt Toyotas. So like for the Daytona 500, I don't know if I would go with the Toyota because they kind of gang up against them, and they don't have strength in numbers. So. This would be a good one where you can almost eliminate them and go Chevy or Ford and pick from that group. So, yeah, you can bet manufacturers as well. And looking at the odds that I see right now, Chevy plus 155, Ford plus 155, and Toyota plus 225. For me, I'm going to be sprinkling a jelly bean on Ford plus 155. So right. – some other things that I want to get into with this. So we mentioned the car manufacturer, but let's talk about the importance of the team. So we've got the overarching, how are these drivers going to be communicating? And you said, hey, they're going to be driving in bunches. So you're going to be drafting and things like that, which is where these larger teams have an advantage as opposed to a smaller team, fewer people to draft with and less information sharing. So how important is the team and or the size of it to picking the potential winner or drivers who do well? Very important because, I, like you said, that's, that's exactly what they do. So the Chevys will try to gang up with each other. And then teammates know they need to take care of each other. So you don't want to wreck a teammate. That's first and foremost. So if you're drafting with them, you know that's who your drafting partner is going to be and you're going to work with them. So they're all – what it's going to be is you're going to have maybe four Hendrick cars, two Ganassi cars, two Childress cars. They'll all be running in a group. One Ford, you're going to have the Penske's. Um, but they've got three cars compared to four to Hendrick, four to Gibbs, four. So, yeah, strength in numbers. Plus, you want to have a, an even number because, like, Penske, you've got three. Well, at the end of these races, they're going to try to tandem up. They're going to try to have two cars. So you'll have the front car going, and you're going to have the back car pushing. And the front car is kind of leading the way. And the second car is where the sounds is they're almost blind because the spoiler sits so high. They don't know where the moves are going to be made. But you can't have three because, weirdly enough, it's going to slow you down. So, like Penske, if you've got all three cars running there in the end and they're in the lead group, that could hurt them because who do you go with? You don't want to make your other teammate mad where maybe you've got two Hendrick cars that may hook up and not have their teammates around and push their way to the front. The Clash is a prime example. Uh, the race that was run this past Sunday, Denny Hamlin was pretty much out of it. He was a lap down, damaged race car, pushed his other damaged race car teammate, Eric Jones. They tamed him up, and he pushed him around to the wind because that's the faster way around. So, yeah, that's definitely – you're going to want to look at that type of uh, manufacturers and the teammates that are involved in that as well, and who's good at that track too uh, among them. When do odds typically come out for NASCAR races? Typically, I've noticed Monday, Tuesday-ish, they'll start coming out. Um, 
Tuesdays really where you feel comfortable they come out. And then they could update as the week goes on, but not. it's not typically like stick and ball sports where, hell, somebody's injured, and that may change between the early line. Like the Super Bowl we saw, it didn't – the odds didn't move a whole lot, but there's movement. Racing's not typically that way. You kind of know who's going to be good or not. The practices and qualifiers may change it just a little bit, but it's it's not like stick and ball sports to where they'll come out on Monday, Tuesday, and it could be completely different by Sunday. It, it will generally be pretty well the same as the early line. So I would say Tuesday's a safe bet to know when they're out. Is live betting a thing in NASCAR? It. I didn't notice it last year, um, but they're trying to get more and more involved because I think when now that a lot of states are becoming legal, legalized betting, um, Indiana state I live in, I know you can now do mobile. Um, you don't have to be in a casino. That that hit, I believe, December 1st. Um, so they weren't really – they were behind on a lot of this gambling uh, and wagering. So they partnered with the company. I, I can't think of the name. I think they're based in Kansas. Um, to try to update this. Uh, so, yes, I, I do believe um, I'll have to find out for the 500 this weekend if, if it is live or not. I know last year I didn't notice a whole lot of live, but now that they partnered, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing some live betting. All right, so let's get a little bit more specific to this Daytona 500. Earlier on, you'd mentioned, hey, I looked at the top seven and there's only two drivers that I like. Who are those two drivers? Well, one's Denny Hamlin. Uh, I do like him, uh, but here's the factor against him. Uh, he's, pl he's plus 1,000, 10 to 1. But he's good at Daytona. Uh, he's got five top four finishes in his last six Daytona starts. So that tells you he's a good super speedway racer. He's won two of the last four Daytona 500s, including last year. So immediately, I like him. But he's got one trend going against him. He's a defending winner only once since 1995 has that actually seen a repeat one or one again. So, or no, I'm sorry, it hasn't happened since 1995. So is he a good super speedway racer? Yes. His stats back up. He should be a favorite in this race, but be wary of that trend. Um, but 10 to one, I don't think it hurts to throw money his way because of those odds. And the other one that I like uh, is Joey Logano. Uh, Logano, let me go to his odds real quick right here. Logano, yeah, same way. He's 11 to 1. But Logano has six top four finishes in his last 14 Daytona tries. Um, Daytona gets a lot of wrecks there. So the fact that he can do that is impressive. Plus, he's got five straight top six finishes in Daytona overall. He's won this race in 2015. I like his odds at 11 to 1 and Hamlin at 10 to 1. Everybody else, you could kind of write off. Uh, Chase Elliott's 11 to one. He's finished 30th or worse in five of his last eight Daytona 500 starts. I'd be wary of him. He races in the, uh, the first duel tomorrow night, but he's got no teammates in that race. So I can't see where he's going to get a lot of drafting help. So he may be starting towards the back anyways. Um, Kyle Busch is another one that's up there. He's 10 to one. Um, but he's got three top 10 finishes since 2014 at Daytona. Uh, a repeat, or I'm sorry, like the defending series champion he won the, the whole championship last year they've only won uh the daytona 500 the following year twice since 1978 and kyle bush has never won the daytona 500 before so if you're saying you got 10 to 1 odds but he's up there with Logano's and hamlin's you, you can kind of eliminate that because he hasn't won and the defending champion trend 
isn't on his side. So I would say out of those favorites, steer more towards Hamlin and Logano. So a little nugget about Denny Hamlin. Among all active drivers, no one has led more laps at Daytona than Denny Hamlin. And as you mentioned, so there hasn't been back-to-back in a long time. That doesn't mean that we still can't include Denny Hamlin in top three or driver versus driver props. You may want to look elsewhere for the winner, knowing that that's a good trend. Uh, Let's talk about Jimmy Johnson. This is his final season for NASCAR, his final Daytona. For the casual better, we know Jimmy Johnson. He's straight crushed. He was the best of the best. Is he worth a potential flyer? Yes, yes, I would say he is. Right now, as of yesterday, he was plus 2,000, 20 to 1. So you're getting a seven-time cup champion at 20 to 1. He's won the Daytona 500 in the past. Albeit the only reason he's 20 to 1, he's got a 95-race winless streak. So a lot of people would say, whoa, he hasn't won in 95 races. What makes you think he's going to win this race? This race. But Daytona's different. Like I said, it's a, they draft. It's a super speedway race. Plus, Johnson... He's actually been pretty good at super speedways lately, believe it or not. He's got five top ten finishes in his last seven starts. He won the Clash last year. Uh, He was eighth in his duel last year, ninth in Daytona 500 last year, third at Daytona in the July race. So I would say for 20 to 1, you're getting good odds for him. He'd be in that sleeper category. Why not throw a few bucks as well? You never know what could happen. He's got a Chevy, so he's got some teammates that can draft with him. So I would say out of the Hendrick camp, he would be the one that I would pick. Sign me up for some jelly beans on Jimmy Johnson for nothing else but nostalgia reasons because what an incredible narrative. We sit there and it's like, oh, my God, Jimmy Johnson, what a way to cap off a career. Wins in his final day. Tona, Jimmy, you see that checkered flag going like this? Um, so, Eric. It would be the big storyline. As we wrap this bad boy up, are there any other picks or little leans that you can give us to help us along the way that you might be thinking about? Because I'm certainly going to be putting action on this race. Yes. So uh, another one I would look at Ryan Blaney, 16 to one. The last time uh, NASCAR raced on a super speedway was at Talladega last October, similar track to Daytona, a little bit bigger, but for the casual viewer, you probably wouldn't notice a difference. He won that race. So, and he's good at Daytona. He's got a Penske car. Fords are usually quick. So Ryan Blaney, 16-1, and would uh, be a no-brainer. I would look at him. And then I would drop to some sleepers. Uh, Matt Benedetto, 20-1. to one. He led the most laps in last year's Daytona 500 in a Toyota. This year he's in a Wood Brothers Ford. They have an alliance with Team Penske. He's a good super speedway racer, 20-1. to one. He's got two top eight finishes in his last three Daytona starts. So I don't think he can go wrong there. Ryan Newman, 35-1, to one, plus 3,500. He's got four top eight finishes in his last five Daytona starts. He's got a Ford, so that's another one I'd look at. And how about Ty Dillon, 50 to 1, plus 5,000. He's got three straight top six finishes in Daytona. So I don't think he can go wrong there. And one more driver I would throw on, 80 to 1, plus 8,000. Michael McDowell, he finished fifth in last year's Daytona 500, ninth in the year prior. So for those odds, I wouldn't. I would say throw a couple of your jelly beans his way because I think he's going to be there in the end. He's in a kind of an underfunded team, so I don't think he's going to get caught up in the, some crazy crash because they typically ride in the back and let people wreck ahead of them. So that's where this race being a sleeper, uh, favors sleepers. Um, I've looked at that trend. Uh, another good trend, the last three super speedway uh, races. So you got the 
both races at Talladega last year in Daytona in July. First time plate or a super speedway winners. They never won a super speedway race before that. Does that trend continue in Daytona? I, I think it can. You got McDowell, like I said, Ty Dillon, Matt Benedetto. None of those guys have won on a super speedway race before. Um, so I don't think you could go wrong with some of those sleepers because they've got long odds. You could throw a little bit on them and win a lot. And I know Ryan Newman also likes that strategy of sort of sleeping in the back, let everything implode in front of him. And it's like, oh, Ryan Newman yeah, in, the hunt in, the last, <laughs> in the last yeah. lap. Yeah, yeah, he did that last year in Talladega. He finished second because of that same exact reason to Ryan Blaney. So those two typically do that. So I, I would say if you're watching the race and you bet some long shots, and you're like, man, why are they back 30th or worse? Don't worry about it. They're back there for a reason. So I, this is a race. Don't get caught up in the ups or downs and think, oh, my driver's winning. And then, oh, now he's last. It's going to happen. It, it doesn't pay till the end. It, it, they bob and weave through the field. So ebbs and flows. Don't get too caught up in the race. So if there's live betting, sometimes you, if they do that and you start getting some guys that are plus higher numbers, you might want to take it because they – I don't know if, if the live betting can keep up and know that Daytona is one of those races that you're going to have the ebbs and flows. So you could cash in on Sunday if you play it right. For me, I'm going to be playing Ford plus 155. And then with those sleepers that you have, I'm going to be looking for them in matchups. So yes. you're like, I like these guys. So I'm going to see who they're paired up against. And then I'll also have a few jelly beans on Denny Hamlin action, though not to win the race. So Eric, I really enjoyed this conversation. Where can everybody connect with you? Yeah, uh, just on my Twitter at Eric underscore Race Review. Uh, I post all my articles from Race Review online if you want to check it there. Uh, they also end up on my Twitter page. And then Covers Experts, I'm on there too as well. And my picks, uh, I usually have them up by Friday or Saturday. Uh, I want to get with the updated odds. I'd hate to tell you to choose one direction if they've got good odds early in the week and maybe it drops and maybe they qualified bad, but they're good at that track and you can get them for a little bit better odds. So typically after qualifying, I'll have uh, those up on weekends as well. So covers experts at covers.com or race review online.com. Uh, you can find all my stuff up there. And I want to hear from you. Will you be joining us in betting NASCAR and the Daytona 500? I highly suggest it. Even if we are just renting a movie to have some fun with it. You can hit me up on Twitter at Rob Cressy and make sure to use hashtag sharp 600 and be part of our community and also make sure to tag at covers. And I love the amazing feedback that you give us when you subscribe, rate, and review. It means the world to us because it helps others discover the podcast. When you show us some love, we will show you some love. And remember, if you want to be a sharp, don't be a square with your bankroll. Be disciplined with your money management. When I do rock, I'm too hot. Some say I got more juice than two pops.